Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to Golem Out episode 3. We're here at Richmond Park. I'm Connor Bourne and I'm here with Hayden Moore. Yeah, how's it going? It's uh, currently half time in the match. Uh, Pats are losing. They're absolutely abysmal. Cork had a player sent off, but they were 2 0 up after 10 minutes. So, it's promising, looking promising for Pats in the second half. Yeah, they were down 2 0, so look, it's coming back. Um, it looks like Pats are just sitting back and absorbing pressure for most of the game. So far, yeah, it's a uh, it's last. We are not under shelter. <laughs> Pneumonia. So when we're recording the actual podcast, if we sound like we're sniffling and we're dying, it's because we are. The match got off to a flying start as Cork went 2-0 up after 10 minutes through new signings Barry McNamee and Graham Cummins. Pat seemed stunned after conceding two early goals. They were sloppy in possession and failed to cause the Cork defence any problems. However, there was a turning point in the game on the half-hour mark Goal scorer Graham Cummins was judged to avail by Saints defender Kevin Toner and was given a straight red card by the referee Robert Harvey. The sending off seemed to motivate the home side and they managed to pull a goal back 10 minutes before the break when Ian Birmingham met a corner and cannoned the ball in off the underside of the crossbar. Pats went at the half time very much in control. The Saints were level within a minute of the restart. Across from Birmingham went across the box and found Conan Bourne on the right who powered the ball past court keeper Mark McNulty. Pats began to dominate the game with a constant flow of attacks. However, Cork's defence managed to stand firm and the away side slowly found their way back into the game. They may have also had a stroke of luck as the penalty appeal was dismissed when Simon Madden appeared to be tripped and running into the penalty area. Cork managed to nick a winner after 82 minutes through Kieran Sadlier. Taking a corner, he whipped in the ball which the entire Pats defence misjudged and resulted in the ball crossing the line. Pats would be disappointed that they failed to capitalise on their chances of having an extra man, but Cork have shown that they have a solid defence which champions need. So it's full time here at Richmond Park. Cork won 3-2 against Pats. Pats had a late penalty show that maybe should have been given. It was given as a dive instead. We disagree. It was not a dive. Um, the Pats' comeback was stunted. They almost had it. They almost had it. But it looks like Cork had the the upper hand had the upper hand in this match they showed why they're champions I guess that bit of luck champions luck Headphones here in Daily Mount Park at a South Out Dublin derby between Shamrock Rovers and Bohemians, which has given, given added drama with the capture of Owen Stokes for Bohemians, who had played in the trial match for Shamrock Rovers last Saturday, but whom the Gypsies signed under their hoops' noses. So here's hoping for another cracker instalment in the uh, Dublin derby as both sides seek to take three points on the opening day of the season. Nightmare came real when Shamrock Rovers scored the opening goal of the game. He's going to be booked for that. Get the card out, Doyle! Half time here at uh, Dalymount Park as Shamrock Rovers leads 1 0 to. Very subdued atmosphere general here in the stadium because bowls haven't really done anything. They've been very quiet and tepid, just haven't really got it together. Like when we were playing in the 2-1 win in Tala last season, we were brilliant. The amount of passes we were able to string together was sublime. Today we just seem to be all over the place. Hopefully now the team can regroup and in the second half we will be able to turn it around. With over 25 minutes of the second half played and Rover still 1-0 up, the air of frustration and trepidation amongst the Bohemian supporters was quite palpable. But it suddenly Bowes got a corner and hushed gasps while people waited, hoped with fingers crossed and then this happened.
with nine minutes left on the clock two nicked on headers ended up in the path of Paddy Kavanagh and the rest as they say is history Just three minutes later, Dan Casey became a double legend in the one evening when he again hit the back of the Rovers net. Your thoughts on the match tonight? Top balls was out to win. I knew, I knew uh, by the end of the first half, I was putting the pressure on. I knew we were going to come back. So I was delighted, obviously, yeah, when they get the, obviously get the goal. I mean, the corner just kind of always came out of nowhere, didn't it, really? Yeah. Every time balls got a set piece, they looked like they were troubling a little bit. So yeah. uh, we were just hoping for them to go in and start the comeback. Yeah, I mean, I uh, say so your over defence did okay per se, but the rest of the team, what do you think? It seemed a bit all over the place, didn't it? Yeah, well, it's always going to be like that in the game like that. It's just going to be pressing real quick and like not have any time. But when uh, the game went down, we, we started to dominate it. And, uh, it was out the way. So, any, any thoughts on how we might do this season and overall? Signs at the start of the season. I think falls would be like the surprise package of the, of the season. Yeah, so what do you think? Like, geez, the first goal for balls came a bit out of the blue, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, it did. Something else. Uh, ah, it was brilliant. What do you think of Rovers themselves? Oh. <laughs> yeah, I suppose, yeah. I mean, the defence was okay with the rest of it, yeah. All that money they spent now. Yeah. I suppose that's what happens, isn't it? You buy all these money doesn't buy everything, you know? Yeah, they're the players, but not a team, I suppose. No, exactly, and I was just, listen, I'm no doubt balls of the heart, you know, and that's it. Yeah, obviously, yeah, well, yeah, Long Keith Long's done a great job in the, uh, the last word, I suppose, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he does, he's doing brilliant. Okay, there, that's great. So, I want to enjoy, enjoy a couple of beers now after that. So, any overall predictions for how the season, you think the season yeah, might go? No, I still think, listen, stay up is the main thing, you know, but just yeah. a bit more consolidation would be great, but keep going this way and we're doing well, you know. Uh, we've got a bit of karma there with Stokesy signing. Yeah, oh, he look, he look, and he tell you what, he looked very well when he came on. Yeah. Look like you change the game, you know. Yeah, a lot of Leeds fans were saying on Twitter like they couldn't believe that Leeds let him go, and they said you've got a gem in your hands, you know. Yeah, and then they, and he turned down Rovers to come here, like. Yeah, well, it was good to see somebody finally who takes playing football over money. Yeah, hundred percent. He wants to play. <laughs> ah, but it would do. Hayden here to announce the winner of our giveaway. So I randomly generated a number between the 49 people who entered the competition and I was drawn with the number nine. Also I posted a video on our Facebook page and Instagram page of us drawing the number just to ensure that there's no confusion around it. Um, so number nine in the competition was Erica Sherry. So if you could private message the Goldmouth Facebook page to organize the collection of your prize, that'd be great. And I'd like to thank everybody who entered the competition as well. Cheers. Welcome back to the studio. This is Gall Now Episode 3. My name is Sean Ivory. Sean Heffernan. Edmore. Connor Vaughan. So that's the League of Ireland's now kicked off. Um, you were at the opening day of the season. Uh, Connor and Hayden, you were reporting from the Pats and Cork game at Richmond Park. And Heffo, I know you were at the anticipated grudge match between Bowles and Robos. Yeah, it was. At Daily Mount. So... I'm going to start off with Connor and Hayden. That's how was the game? Yeah, obviously, Pats got off to a bad start, being 2 0 down in the first 10 minutes. But um, it was a cracking goal by Graham Cummins to start off on the volley, the top corner. Um, then Cork were kind of in control then for the rest of the game, and um, Cummins got sent off for elbowing Kevin Towner. And then they kind of gave Pats a bit of motivation. Yeah. And from there, like, they just charged forward. They just kept putting the pressure on Cork over and over and over again, just coming at them, coming at them, coming at them. Do you think that the Cork side against Pats was the same side that we seen last season that ran the league over? It was definitely the same spirit, anyway. Like, they definitely had that, like, fighting instinct inside them. Like, the fire was definitely inside them. They just kept, like, once once they once the game came back to 2-0, wasn't it? Yeah, it was 2-0 then, 3-2, yeah. 
Yeah, we went to 2-1, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, so once, once they were down, they just, it's like if they just sat back, absorbed Pat's pressure, let them keep coming at them, tore themselves out, and then from there, just charge forward and, like... They got a lucky goal at Cork at the end. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you seen it, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was kind of, it was kind of fluky, in all fairness. But, like, the fans absolutely lost at the end. Should have seen it, like, breaking through the barriers and all, and just chaos at the end. So, Hefo. Yes? Tell us. For starters, I was just very surprised at how weak Shamrock Rovers were at the match. Um, they just didn't seem to be in it. The heart didn't seem to be in it. The fans obviously were giving it all, but they weren't on the pitch. I mean, you you think in games like this that knowing the uh, what's at stake in the past, you had Dublin Derby on both sides, just gave it their all. Players mucked in and got into tackles and all. Rovers players just didn't seem... It was, especially the second half, like they just couldn't uh, get any proper attacks together they were losing the ball too easily I mean in the, you know and this was just unreal like I mean we would have had it been the dock or Cork we played against we could have easily lost that match by a number of goals because we gave a number of chances to Rovers in the first they couldn't take them and uh, you know and that was just something else because we did turn around the second half but in fairness it wasn't that difficult to do given how poorly Rovers had played and uh, fair play to the lads, you know, for wanting a bit of heart and the credit because let's be honest, the Rovers team cost a fair bit more and it seemed to have a lot more experience in their ranks than Bowes. But we had the heart on the day to go and win the match. So uh, we're going to run through the other results that happened throughout the night. Uh, Connor, go ahead. Yeah, so Cork beat Pats 3 2, Bowes beat Rovers 3 1, Sligo lost 1 0 to Limerick. Um, it was a stalemate at Oriel Park, Dundalk drew in a little break, and then newcomers Watford 1 2 1 against Derry. Just have anything to add? There was all this hype about, about Akinale, Hefo's one true love from, from Bowes. He did well. Did he, he did, I think he was playing the right wing. But it did, was, there, was there a goal in that game? No, but you yeah, exactly. Post. So nothing happened. He hit the post. Yeah, but nothing happened. And Poor. he caused trouble down the right wing. And uh, with Dundalk, um, me people just thought they were on a close over Bray, giving a lot of Bray's troubles. I mean, up to three weeks ago, Bray didn't even have enough players registered to be able to, you know, uh, have a team, a very bolder team that's actually could uh, compete in the league competitions. And, you know, Dundalk, their new signings and all, it just shows you, and look, Shamrock Rovers, that it's gonna, it could take time before all the players start to gel. That could be a problem for both those teams. That Cork have the advantage, maybe of having a bit more of a settled squad, and coming in the first initial games that could prove crucial. Yeah, and just on the little dark match, they seem to be all over Bray for most of it. Um, their keeper, Bray keeper, Aaron Dillon, apparently played unreal, making saves from McGrath and Benson and Duffy. So, yeah, and also Bray were maybe maybe a bit lucky. And also, some of the people on the drawers that were there they were saying that there was one or two penalty shouts that may, their minds probably should have been given as well for the dock. So Bray wrote their luck for sure in that game. Moving forward, uh, so the games next week, there is four games on Friday again. Um, Bray are playing Pats at home, Cork are hosting Waterford, um, Derry are away to Sligo, Rovers are hosting Dundalk and Tallaght. And uh, Bowles are travelling away to Limerick on the Saturday. So there should be a few good games next week, in particular the, the Rovers and the Dock game. Because mm-hmm. um, in the last, I think it's three or four meetings, there's been a minimum of three goals per game in Tele. And I think last year there were six goals in one of the games, finished like 4 2 to Rovers. So that's going to be a really exciting game. Um, and they'll be out, they'll be out. Or, uh, I reckon they'll be out, probably challenging for the league this year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so do I think. Um, Cork will be challenging for the league this year. Yeah, as well. But I think there's a couple of times this season. Good for golfer. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, maybe even Limerick. Uh, they might have a point to prove now after the departure of uh, Ogbeni. But uh, clearly, after that win against Sligo, that was a huge win on the opening day of the season. So maybe that's just like the, like the Leicester kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, maybe yeah, but. I think um, I think that was just an insight of how maybe their season could go. Yeah, yeah. I think also, especially for Pats and Bray, I mean, people are asking the question, all the commentators are saying, Pats, woefully well underperformed last year. Nobody had them down as being a near relegation uh, uh, candidate. 
So if they're going to do as comment in their order, if they're going to upturn their fortunes and actually challenge once more for European place, they need three points against Spain next week without a doubt. Otherwise, a lot more questions are going to be asked about them again. So that's another. Uh, that's the match I personally be looking at next weekend to see like what's the story. Of course, apart from my own beloved bows, which I hope to see them in action in Limerick. But that's the game I'd be looking out to say like what is there a Pats now? Has Buckley managed to book them up or not? Right, so now I'm moving on to the Republic of Ireland. Um, so, so far, already in 2018, we've had two retirements from the team, Wes Hilden and Daryl Murphy. Um, Very sad. Yeah, so obviously the, the big one out of the two is Wes Hilden's departure, so what's your thoughts on that? Kevin Dunphy's going to be absolutely devastated. Yeah, adopt him, you will, after. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very sad. I, don't know, I feel like he was never actually properly given a chance in the Ireland team. They tears in the Ireland. They are tears in the Ireland. Sniff them all. Um, yeah, like, I feel like he was just a very unappreciated player. Um, like, everybody knew he should have been in that team way more, and he was he, he was never really a starting player. Like, he was he obviously come on, or like he never played a full game, or there was always something wrong that he had to come off, or he had to like just come on after the after like a brace to like score a brace or whatever hashtag bring back Wizzle hashtag bring back Wizzle like Paul Scholes come back how old is he again 25 yeah. I think he's 26 now he's gone 26 I think he's getting on yeah he is getting on in all to me like as well again it's slightly worrying I mean that we're still talking about Wizzle saying coming back because where is the other just, where is the other younger players coming up of people of note that can take his place the same with Robbie, Robbie Kane for a long time he played a lot longer than maybe the Jack, in the early Jack Charlton days a player wouldn't play that because you had options but also I think um, Robbie Keane didn't play the Jack Charlton did he? no but I mean what I'm saying is back then like he wouldn't have played that long there, no, no player was I had, I had strikers back then Clinton Morrison was, who were coming through the ranks each time so you know whenever a player got quite old and it was like it's basically you just knew his days were numbered you moved on and you had someone else there to put in the team but in this case it wasn't you know he, he obviously played in a fair deal he still gave his all Robbie Keane you're on a team but even the fact that um, it was interesting, don't think having a, go- a right go at Sadler. I don't know what you think about Sadler's comments when he wrote his article. He was a Sunday Independent. What did he, say? he basically said that, oh, you know, he was lazy back in the day, Hulan. He was a lazy player, he didn't have it all. He just wasn't really committed to his game, and that's why he was at Shells for so long, and he didn't make the move. And then he booked up. And then only then, lately then, because that's the reason why he didn't get the look of the Ireland team because it was early days and there was doubts over him because the fact that he wasn't the consummate professional for day one whereas Duffy went to town on, on Sadly or saying yeah, no look he could be right about the lazy player in his early days but like once he became a professional player he should have been getting into the team like it shouldn't have been affecting him based on his earlier days as being Duffy said no Duffy said he, all along he still was a good player in the Shelbourne and this was he tried to put it out as a bit of maybe lazy journalism just having a go on the sake of it he said it wasn't warranted what Sadly said and just wasn't what you might think I mean of Hulan from his early days, you know, but uh, certainly uh, Duffy wasn't saying this wasn't on, like that he really was at Shell, but he did play well, and it wasn't his fault, basically. Duffy was saying that he didn't make the, the, the step up sooner than he did. Yeah, it was clear that he's Ireland's best, he was Ireland's best player, he just didn't get a look in. What about Darren Murphy? Visible man, in many respects, right? I don't think they weren't really harmed at him that much. He'll be missed. I don't, he, didn't, he didn't do anything well, I think um, he, was, he was important for the way as much he, like, he was important because he was the only I felt like he was the only striker on the team that's what I was just going to say like, that's another striker now that went down yeah like, exactly another option that, we're, that we've lost like, yeah. we didn't have Maguire and O'Brien there so they, they'll come in hopefully to get a chance I don't see who else is going to play out there Danny yeah. yeah. Corker <laughs> <laughs> Give it a rest to you. <laughs> so obviously another Irish player has now been injured. Uh, James McCarthy, uh broken leg uh, against West Brom. Yeah. Almost a freak accident when you think about it against uh, Rondon. Um, Rondon went for a shot, wasn't it? Yeah, too Yeah, and he connecting, yeah. connecting with McCarty. Um. I just wondering, like obviously he's only back from a long term injury, so do you think when he comes back, his whole game will be affected now? Really do because you don't see a lot of players coming back from a from a like a, a leg break like that. It's a double leg break as well, which is what Luke Shaw had 
where it wasn't necessarily visible, but like it was career changing and the career defining almost. Um, not to say that Luke Defoe, Luke Shaw has had his career defined, but um, yeah, it was a horrible accident. Like it's, it's gonna be. I know we don't really have a lot of important games coming up over this year for the Irish Republic team, but it's still very sad because it could change everything for could change absolutely everything. And it, it, even during the game, you seen uh, Rondon walking away nearly in tears after because he just like it was just a completely freak accident that yeah, he said so. Yeah, I think he's a nice player to have. Um, obviously now it's uh, Jeff Hendrick. I think has had more of a role now on the team uh, and other midfielders have kind of come in I think mine are playing a similar role that McCarty would yeah. want to play but now that he's going to be gone uh, whether or not he'll be the same player when he comes back to Everton or Ireland that's the like, question you know so, be yeah. well for me you see like I know from experience right, obviously back in the day Mark Waterford was a very good player for Shelbourne and uh, he got in a horrific injury and he was out for over, around a year. Bad break. And then I noticed then uh, when he was with Bowes then, he wasn't the player he used to be in his early days because he was obviously so good. Back in the day as well now, he actually played for England Dukes and all. He had a bit of pedigree. But we, we're in, as previous in his early days, he was well known for ghosting past players and just brilliant at breaking through defences. In his latter years, he just shirked tackles and he would give the ball away and he just wouldn't. He'd just take fright. If a defender came lunging towards him, like he wouldn't actually go and try and make the move. And he wasn't half the player he used to be then, and his effectiveness in the game has made redundant. And you just knew it was a mental thing. Even more so than the physical pain you go through, the mental thing can often be even worse. Because then you're just afraid of what could happen next. Then your confidence levels as a footballer decline or, or take a, a hammer. And that's another uh, part of it too. But you have to... What can you do? Like at least There's no malice there. But... Uh, it's just unfortunate, you know. The kind of hopefully, way it doesn't happen. Hopefully, that doesn't happen to McCarthy as well. Of course, yeah. Hopefully not, because yeah, we have to wait and see what goes on. But we're, at least we're a bit luckier in sense in the midfield that with the young youths and others, the you know, twenty olds and all, there are players there who could well come up and do a job. Yeah, yeah. that that's them. I mean, it's not as that says improves on the strikers. There's not as much of a concern there per se. Uh, right, we'll move on now. Um, last Tuesday, the Ireland on the Seventeens. Grabbed a late draw against Turkey in Galway. Um, Troy Parrott scored a free kick from 30 yards in injury time. And we're just going to watch it now and get a reaction. Are you ready? Yes. Oh, that's a belter. Screamer, aren't you? Brilliant goal. Took it so well, didn't he? Mm-hmm. How far out was that, Connor? 30 yards. It reminds me of... Um, do you remember that David Luiz free kick? Yeah, the way he takes it? Yeah. Yeah, that kind of run-up, yeah. Yeah, I think he actually did. I think again. there was an interview at home and he said uh, his inspiration is actually David Luiz. Yeah, like, even if you look like at the, the way he runs up, yeah, he's like directly in line with a straight. Like it's it's a straight run. And then he just uh, the bend on it is nice. Do you actually know where he plays? He knew he was going in. Sports, sports, yeah, that, He's given his recent record. Like yeah, it's definitely one for the future. Yeah. Definitely, yeah, without a doubt. It's a good look. Right. I mean, as well as that, you know, it's Keane Doyle. Obviously, he's a good goalkeeper as well. And he's down to getting a lot of games that too. He, he's with Rochelle Robbers now, and he's another one definitely to look forward to. He's, he's a, you know, you got a few. Yeah, there's definitely a lot coming through on you. There is, yeah, which is good, but I wish they'd come through a bit sooner now because of all these, few of these players that have now departed. But, like, you just know that. None of them are going to get into the Irish team because we like playing players who are 35 plus. That's like the limit that you have to be to be in the Republic team. Seems that way. Stupid. You can't make a debut until you're 25. You could get a call up, That's yeah. even a bit low. <laughs> 28. <laughs> you're still regarded as a young player. We're going to move on now to English football, both Premier League and the Championship football. Um, so obviously... Uh, you know, Man United were playing against Huddersfield and there was a VAR controversy uh, one matter was he on or was he off um, I let the United boys go ahead with this one I would 100% think he was on so if you look at it the West Brom midfielder's knee was playing Matta on but it was so tight like, it, but there is like a thing with referees and officials there like if in doubt give it to the, the striker or give it to the, the attacker Um like that was so tight that 
they should have given the attacker regardless. Like the VAR, why are they? It's like if they're testing it in the in the FA Cup. Like why are they, they testing test, it? Though. Yeah, but why are they testing it during official games? They're official games that like affect clubs like funds and like they, this is the sort of thing that will affect clubs down the line. You know what I mean like, yeah. like teams from lower divisions play the, this competition to like get their name out there and like get a bit, like a bigger reputation. Like it's gonna have major effects on that tournament. I don't. I don't want to see it in the Premier League. I don't want to see it in any major leagues or any major big tournaments until they know exactly what they're doing. It is a good idea, though. It, it needs to be there. It just needs to be made better. Basically. Do you think that it might be used too often? Like it was used three times in the Liverpool versus West Brom game. I do because like it's breaking up the flow of the game, and like if you're constantly going, like it takes like a minute and a half, two minutes for them to make a decision, and like the whole flow, like all the players are like. Slowing down, then they went to warm up again, kind of thing. The energy is lost, yeah. yeah lost momentum. Yeah. There's also a lot of people out there. I mean, it's, it seems to be in many respects split down the middle of this, because even most uh, football experts, pros, or commentators, a lot of them are saying, "Well, look, that's one of the things about football controversy: debate after it's going on after the game, having a chat with your mates, saying was this or that." And if you're going to VAR and there's nothing like that, a bit of intensity, something, to, it's going to suck out a lot of the lifeblood of the game. Because you want to have that bit of controversy, you want to have things that get people talking, and it gives a bit of more of a thing to the to the whole adds the whole atmosphere and the whole tension of games. It's too shiny now, it's like, isn't it? Like it's not it's not a rough diamond like it used to be in like the nineties and like the early two thousands. It's just like it's like a polished game now. You sound like a fifty year old man. No, yeah, I just like prefer football like that. Long more time. So that's where I would actually see. I could see where other people are coming from in that respect. That if you take away all the controversy, all the element out of it, then football becomes a bit more mundane and could have torn people again away from the sport. Yeah. People are just trying to use the analogy of, in a way, Formula One, where they put all these things into Formula One now, and it's just got so boring and predictable. People are concerned that that could happen with football too, and they and, and that because it has damaged uh, Formula One attendance and all that. People are worried that will cross over. But when you look at rugby, it works very well in rugby. Like every time they go to the... Yeah, well, I suppose well. in rugby, the players don't complain as much. So that's just because they're used to it now, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's always been like that, though. It's always like, respect the ref. So yeah. whatever the ref says goes. It's kind of like growing pains right now with football. Mm. I would say once people get used to it, it won't be... It won't be as, won't be as big of a deal. I think you're right, because I think what happened is eventually, I think what does go the lines of these things, you have got the International Football Board who do racially regulate the rules of the games of the game in general. What will happen down the line, I'd say, is after it's used quite a bit, you'll have referee supports put in and you'll see a pattern there and then you'll be able to actually formulate an actual code for using VAR. That there will be, you know, eventually man referees and all together will realise, right, this is how you do it. That, it, you know, and, and it'd be more clear cut because one of the problems at the moment with the course is, well, again, there were referees, people are going, hold on a minute here. Like, why is that team this week been given VAR for that why wasn't our team last week so when that was like we had a similar incident what's going on here and you could it's more so that the inconsistencies at the moment on it that there's not a consistency there and that's where some people again another reason why some people are a bit concerned about it so once they were in doubt I think that'd be something to look forward to then that you know at least then it's not as controversial of its use but it, obviously everything has to be trialed out there's trial and error hopefully there'll be less error coming to the future so I'd like to Go into now Paul Pogba and his recent form, or even uh, I'm sure you will have thoughts on his overall form since joining the club. Um, so what do you think of him as of late? He's been Obviously, good. he's been dort. He's been, he's been uh, getting a lot of criticism. Like I watched the game against Newcastle the other week, and it was clear that he was injured. I don't know why he stayed on. He was just giving the ball away. Do you think that he needs more time? He's been given enough time, I think. Um, How old is he? 25? 23. Is he 23? 22, 23. He's young enough. Like, like When Jesse Lingard was that age, he wasn't any good. What, two years ago? Yeah, two or three years ago. Yeah, fair point. I suppose. Like, I think it's the, the price tag as well, isn't it? Like, it's just... Oh, yeah. But when you're paying that amount, you want something from him. Like, he was class when he was at Juventus. Yeah. But I, I feel like he's been given the wrong role at United as well. Like when he, when you watched him at uh, Juve, he had a free free round on the road. Exactly. He was like he's been 
deployed as like a defensive midfielder at United, whereas with Juve he I was kind of like there was Pirlo to like set him up and like. Yeah. And I don't, I don't understand why he will be playing a deep role. Just have Matic like. Yeah, that's. Give Matic that's, a I think that's, and, that's the point he bought Matic to play him deep and let and then let him go round. But I think because he was the last season. Um, I think Pogba was kind of playing defensive, wasn't he? Yeah, he was kind of just drifting that way. Yeah, and I think he might probably, I don't know now, but he might have just got used to that. It was a switch between him and Fellaini and that deep corner role. Yeah, and he pushed Fellaini forward. Yeah, yeah. Pogba might have just gotten used to that and then maybe... Yeah, he's been deployed there. I think it was yeah. also interesting how some of them were saying about, obviously, Pogba, and it's United, was also said about McTarrion. That the fact is that again, these are players who like a bit of fast ball, they like to have a fast moving game, they like to be in a running position. Whereas now, well, they're in Reno, you have to spend time to buy to stand back and you have to try and create space, and that's not usually what they're up to. They're kind of players who like to get into the gap, into the space, rather than having to stop and try and just you know create it. And I think that's another problem, too. That yeah, you have to wonder do you not have the players overall? To fit the style of tactics that uh, Mourinho was trying to adopt, and you know what I found out as well, just from what, like, not I found out what I've realised is like he doesn't play football, Mourinho. He just, no. it's like he just grinds out. Like, he's not shut like, down. Like, yeah, like he doesn't. It's like he doesn't uh, train them properly. He just like says, just do whatever he's calm when you're on the pitch. Like it's, it's yeah. shite. <laughs> I mean, it's like in a way to me, if I'm looking at being at the very simple fight, it's like he's trying to put a circle into a, a square. And it won't fit, you know. And that's the thing yeah, I see with Pogba in a way like that. He won't push it. But the question for the two United fans here I'd ask is if, say, Real came or whoever in May and said, we give you 60 million for Pogba, what would you say? Absolutely not. He, he, he does. I said a minute ago that he doesn't, he's been given enough time, but obviously with Lingard, I think Lingard's 26 now. No, he's 25. He's gone 26. Um, two or three years ago he wasn't as as important to United as he is now so I think obviously you probably give him a bit more time yeah, but Pogba's had more experience at top level though than Lingard he's played few events he's done a bit so I don't think you personally can really make that comparison I think that's a bit mute in my response <coughs> I'm thinking of because of that it's not really the same because the guy basically left United went to Juventus did a sterling as good as he did so he has shown previous promise so it's not as if he's somebody still learning the ropes. No. Exactly. Look, he's been... He was unbelievable at Juventus. Yeah, but with Juventus, he had... He had Tiguain, Dybala. <clears throat> I don't think Tiguain, but... Uh, yeah, had the likes of Andrea Pirlo and... Uh, well, yeah, Marquise yeah, yeah, yeah. there to support him. They were the, they were the players who sat back. Yeah. I mean, try what you're saying about Mourinho, because even if you cast back when he was at Chelsea, look at the amount of players that were signed big money by Chelsea and again, did not live up to expectations. Because they did not fit. Now, some of them at that time were signed by, obviously, Bramovich and not Mourinho. But again, you had that situation where players were playing in a sort of a style that they just were not comfortable with. Where it wasn't their type of game that they liked to play. And it's just difficult, you know. You, you, it, if, it, if a player knows a certain amount of tricks, they're comfortable doing these tricks. You, you know, it's difficult trying to teach them new ones. And mm-hmm. in a way, that it, and I do think that... It, it, Probably is a lot of substance into the newspaper rumours that Pog was getting frustrated at yeah, United at the moment. I think that's all. That's all pony. But like, is it really though? I think it is because it, like it's getting very petty now with Mourinho in the media. Well, you know, yeah, no. like at the same time, like he he was clearly like so when the matches are being played on TV, the match reports or the 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 team lineup goes direct to the to the sorry goes direct to the journalists who are reporting mm. on it. And like it was, it was, a, it was shown as a four-two-three-one, where he was playing back with Matic. But during the interview afterwards, he was saying it was a three in the midfield. It was a four-three-three. Yeah, it's just stupid. Like, like which is it? Like, no, well, not a lot of time of formations, the formations, the switch. They do kind of so much as it gets on. But like, it's just that kind of petty stuff. You get me? That's what. That's what I was. No, because to me, right, you've a player over there with skill, okay, and they're getting stick off the five loads of people because they're under par, and they're saying, well, "Hold on a minute here, I'm not being played my best position." I'm not given the opportunity to use the full skill set that I have in my possession. You know what I mean? And and they get frustrated and this criticism is not fair because the fact that I'm not you know what I mean, that I'm not given the opportunity to have these skills. It's not my fault that I'm I'm not playing below par, just that I am forced 
to underplay myself on the pitch. And, and he's been very humble about Pogba as well. Like he's just doing the job. He's not complaining. He's not really moaning about. It. He's just doing doing what he's supposed to do. But well, a lot of players do that, and they just say it's their agent. They say it, and the agents come out and say something. So that'd be interesting to see in the next few weeks. Does his agent say anything? Because often that's what happens. They do that. Keep their eyes down, but they use him the agent of the back channel to get their real feelings out. And at the same time, though, he's only scored eight goals since he joined Backer United in two seasons. So that's more than and ten million goals. Well, he hit the woodwork. He hit the woodwork the most last season of any player. But as a defensive midfielder, he's given away ninety-four fouls in two seasons. So like maybe that could be something. something well, like that. He's been completely just out of position. Yeah, he's not a defensive midfielder, full stop. That's just mm-hmm. that just says it all. Defensive midfielder. It's not they're not two words you would not ever associate with Paul Pogba. I think he has too much skill to be playing in a deep role like that. Too creative. Yeah, yeah. Like at Juventus he kinda like we were saying, he kinda floated around midfield, but I think when he kinda adjusted himself into that number ten kind of role as well, like you could see the flair that he did have that all the clubs wanted him. But taking a different tack to that as well then. The fact that he's playing defensive midfield role, is it a case that Mourinho feels there isn't a player of enough quality to put in that role, and even a reduced Pogba, put it that way, in that role, is better than the other alternatives? Well, that, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair, fair, just, I'm just putting it out devil's advocate. There's loads of defensive midfielders who can play there. There's a uh, Herrera. There's Carrick playing a deep role. Yeah, actually Carrick played yesterday. He's like a deep line playmaker, isn't he? Yeah. Um, who else is there? McTominay played offensive. Yeah, he, he. I was actually surprised that he was deployed as a as an attacking midfielder. Didn't he? he did do well. So one of my criticisms of Mourinho has been for years is that he can take things personal onto the pitch, and you know a manager's job is to put the best team out there and try and get the best result. But we've seen Mourinho; he falls out with somebody, and no matter what, he won't play him, mm-hmm. and he plays someone else who's just not in it, and that he'd rather play somebody who's below par that plays somebody who's doing brilliant in training because now I actually don't like him. And then the choice to obviously maybe force him out of the club. And that has always been a problem with managers like that. And it's a big concern with me regarding Mourinho as I say that that is something you can't have that. If you're trying to win a team, trying to have a good dressing room that is going to do well week in, week out, that's something that has to be eradicated you know, from a club. And let's see. So overall, how do we all feel about Paul Popper? I feel like um, he's just having a bad patch. Right now, and he's he's struggling to fit back in at the United. Like yeah, like you're seeing that he's all like having the banter with the players online and all, and they're like doing the dances and all, whatever. But I just feel like he's struggling to actually get integrated into a position that he's comfortable. In yeah, I I agree with you. I think it comes down to that. Just, but like we've uh, kind of repeated over and over the price tag. Uh, if you are worth that much, uh, I think. Maybe you should be kind of, uh, I don't know what the word, but like... Be able to live up to it? No, to adapt, um, it? yeah, to other yeah. positions. Like, um, now, like, I'm not saying like he should be should be the best like mm. deep midfielder in England or anything like that, but um, I do see where he is coming from because he isn't that type of player at all times. But yeah, hopefully, because he does have talent, hopefully he will like, adjust into the positions that he does want to play and become more of a floater. I think the stats bring themselves like ten million, more than ten million ago. Really, apart to what it is, but also I would say as others would comment that it's not his fault. He didn't ask. We saw for eighteen million. He didn't put that valuation on himself. So obviously, other hope market forces and other things around that surrounding that. So like it's not so like you know yes he's put into this spotlight because of his transfer fee, but as I say, that wasn't his doing. So in respect too so obviously there is always, always added pressure on that but we'll see in time now whether Mourinho but like is he actually great at anything I, I don't think so just... no you can see he has he has he has like you can see glimpses he can be world class at times like his range of passing is unbelievable yeah true but like I feel like he's just good at a lot of things he's not actually like a, a specialist at one thing usually his ball how he retains the ball is usually strength like his actual see, physical strength and his ball control yeah. yeah I think his skills are quite immense but you, do, you do see him like it's not the way he's a centre mid yeah. you do see him kind of drifting out wide a lot yeah, and him, trying to point in crosses um, a lot of people wouldn't want a centre mid down there but it's what he does I, I think as well you see to me United's judge and Russian blood ahead kind of clouded the judgment because the previous season I think it was yeah when Moyes would have been there 
and remember there was hardly any signings and there was a lot of criticism over that and they were desperate to get a signing to call a marquee signing right. and that may have actually over you know saying that we have to get this back to this player and that may have also led to them paying over the odds for Pogba at the time because it was coming near obviously they needed somebody in there just to say look to the fans oh look we're finally now on the right track we're actually getting players in now and I think that's an added factor to the whole thing of uh, when Pogba came back to United so um We'll just briefly mention um, Roy Mason has retired now. Um, obviously, after a horrific injury, he. Uh, uh, Concussion, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Similar to Peter Chex. One. What? Similar to Peter Chex. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think, uh, I think it probably was right from because uh, it took him a long time to adjust back into that whole city town, and even when he did. Uh, Return, he just didn't really look up the pace really. Um, Maurice Pochettino actually came out and um, said there's a cultural available for him at Tottenham. So. Really? Mm-hmm. I think um, the thing that gets to me again, like there was a good piece about all this in World Soccer Magazine recently, and it's over 10 years now since Jeff Hassel had passed away. And he. Wait, whoa, whoa, what? No, 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 but no, no, I'm sorry. But what happened was in the inquest, it was shown Who's that he? it was. What happened to him? Basically, from heading the ball, too many collisions in the head, where he got dementia, and he ended up like, like literally, in a wheelchair for years before he passed away. At that time, there was a lot of Ferrari over, and the FA said they were going to have an inquiry into all that area around concussion, around head injuries, well, like it, and it, it still hasn't. But there were, but ten over ten years later, the FA still haven't never went published a report. They haven't actually fully looked into the issue yet and it's quite clear from America with NFL yeah. that there is a big issue here and there's a lot of disquiet over that. The FA need to get their finger out and need to start looking at this because it is a very serious issue. But as I'm saying, what I'm saying to you is that it was, this is over 10 years ago. They promised to do something. They haven't done so and it's gone too far now and it needs to, you know, there needs to do something about it because more and more players are still happening. Now, there is a controversial thing where a lot of doctors now, sports professionals are saying, eradicate heading from the game or at least the junior levels they shouldn't be heading they'd be heading footballs but I just think it would take a lot out of the game and again it would just ruin it do you think that in underage levels or because of med- of the concerns over injuries in the future but yeah. I'll just say real quick Alan Shearer has um, a great like he's oh. always said that the FA should really look into it especially yeah. with Kevin Doyle retiring lately because yeah. of concussions from heading the ball yeah so. yeah which is on a much smaller scale to what happened yeah. it is very sad um, hopefully, hopefully I'd say he'd probably he'd end up coaching or something as well yeah, so. it, yeah, it's hard to say that he's involved in football is yeah. done now best look for him, for him yeah. Yeah. what uh, Pochino said exactly was um, Ryan is a player who will always be special the door is open for me to help him and the club oh, wait. and the club because we love him and Rachel and George and all his family don't worry Ryan you're going to be a successful person outside the pitch he wasn't a bad player either. Well, he was decent, yeah. yeah. He was. He was very promising. Mm. Did he get an England call? I'm sure he might have. I'm not sure. He was only going to break it into that soon. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to just discuss a little bit about Liverpool's trio. Um, I think the main man, Mo Salah, should be this, uh, the centre of the talk. Um, so, so far in the Premier League, he's played 26 games and scored 22 goals. Um, Bobby Firmino... 26 games also, 12 goals, and Sadio Mane, 19 games and 6 goals. Um, I suppose one thing that I've noticed, like Mane was the main key player at Liverpool last year, and now he's, now he's only scored, like he's not he's not even on double digits yet, whereas uh, Salah's like the new guy now, and he's kind of run the shop now. It's I think that no matter... What's going on up in the front line of Liverpool? Klopp is going to try and walk his way around yeah. uh, Salah. And that's like, he kind of stepped up to the plate because Mane was out for like, was it five weeks? Because he yeah. kicked that fell in the head. That's when they had to keep her off uh, City. Yeah, and like it was during that time that he just kind of completely came of age yeah. in Liverpool and started yeah. dominating. Yeah. Um, it's just mad because like he was so almost unsuccessful as a player at like, who was he with? He was with Chelsea and. Chelsea, Chelsea Val, Fiorentina, Fiorentina. Roma. 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 He's not Actually, unsuccessful, well. but like he wasn't. It's unsuccessful at Chelsea. Oh, definitely Chelsea. Well, he wasn't given his chance. That's why. I mean, in the reserves and all, he did play well, and he was scoring. But again, personalities came to the fore, and Reno w- wouldn't give him a looking. 
Yeah, that's what I mean by unsuccessful. I don't mean he was crap, I just mean like he wasn't given a chance. Yeah, yeah, that's different. Like, it's unsuccessful to me is actually you get your games, but didn't. You didn't do it, but you didn't get the game. But like, is there a more, is there is there a better trio in world football today than than the Liverpool trio? Because like they are absolute fire. They are absolute. Like, they're, they're seriously just charging Liverpool forward, t- team forward for like a title push almost. Like they're. Another good few points behind yeah. City, but like if City well, like even, even in Europe, they look pretty strong. So yeah. they have the the highest victory now over a team in Europe. It's supposed to five 0 against Porto. Yeah, yeah. during the week. Yeah. What do you think? Do you think there's a stronger? Uh, yeah, I'd say you compare with like PSG, City, and Arsenal. Um, obviously, Ars had Arsenal one did time to adjust adjust to each other and couple of like PSG. Their trio was unbelievable. Um, 125 goals in our competitions. Just this, this season. Was, this was on, that was on the 7th of February, but like, that's 20, 20, 23 more goals in City. Oh. And, As yeah. of the 7th of February, that is. Yeah. I think also, yeah, what you're saying there is correct, because like, between, now they're, obviously, they're known as LMAO. That's the actual colloquial of the name, but like, is that day, McCarry and Aubameyang, uh, I was for Arsenal, like they cost a total of hundred seventy six million, but I think you'll find also that um, like, like as that day he's only scored nine goals so far in twenty six appearances, and you wonder like when Arsenal, given the free flowing game they like to play, pushing forward, should be scoring more, and you just feel that Liverpool, whatever it do, Salah was the bargain of them all, yeah. you know, for the free that they had got from, but uh, so Aubameyang in total. Perth John Arsenal, 176 goals in 278 games. He's something that come with a lot of promise. But again, as I said, off the field issues are the concern there. So time will tell on that front whether or not he can live up to the task next season and can he match Salah. But yeah, without a doubt, like he's one of them players that before long, I reckon, Barca or Real is coming a blank check and say, fill it in wherever you want. I don't think so. I do completely disagree with you. Because he's 29 and his greatest asset is pace. And... Are you talking about Salah or about me? About me. Is that what you were talking about? You were talking yes, about Salah. Then, then I talked about obviously Salah then that Real or you know or oh, Real or Barca will come come for Salah with a, with a blank check. I, I think the, the best trio in Europe by far is or like not by far but to rival Liverpool at least is um, and PSG uh, and PSG is Man City. Like Arsenal are more of like a promising upcoming yeah. quadruple or whatever they're called. <laughs> Fantastic force. Just since yeah. the end of January uh, Arsenal's attacking force has now formed since the departure of Sanchez so, so you give yeah. them to the end of the season yeah, yeah. see how they do they or probably, even the beginning of the next season that whole season together yeah. you know yeah exactly because um, like this season it's just been Aguero Sterling De Bruyne absolutely wreaking havoc on other teams like Aguero season after season has been there's four, goal, four goals against West Arthur. Just, just and there were great goals yeah. there were great goals every single one of them like this season he has 21 goals and 5 assists Casper's one of them hand though you can still ban it. You can still ban it in, can't he? Even though, regardless of his age, like. Yeah. I, like I feel like people just kind of brush him off this season coming into it because they're all mad about Harry Kane and all, and like, yeah. like where it just kind of rose up this season, like out of nowhere. He wasn't injured as well at some point for like yeah. two or three months. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and, like Sterling has really come, come into it, like uh, come into himself underneath Guardiola. Yeah. Like yeah. so far this season, getting fifteen goals and nine assists in the Premier League. Mm. Great, yeah. doing very well for himself now. So. He's contributed to more goals than De Bruyne. Like De Bruyne has only contributed to twenty one goals in the Premier League, and Sterling's contributed to twenty four. Mm. So like, that's saying a lot. But like De Bruyne does dominate play as well, and like, his link up play with Aguero is phenomenal. It's unmatched yeah. in any other in any other team. Yeah, because I think that like even with uh, Sterling last season, people said, "Oh God, the Liverpool have got to you know, make a great robbery there." Like that, they got his money off City and Sterling's not doing what he's doing. But now we're starting living up to the fee that he was signed for the fourth. Place. Maybe it took a bit longer. Than people anticipated, but certainly he's now starting to live up to the promise. And he, as I say, unlike Pogba, he does match the fee yeah, that he may, for. Maybe Pogba needs Guardiola, and then he'll step up the fee. So now we're gonna do a moment of the month, but also a new segment that we're gonna introduce on the bench. Uh, on the bench is almost an opposite of moment of the month, where uh, the biggest fails of the month will be conducted in that area. So we're gonna do a bit of a. Uh, partnership with the two of them today so we'll start with Sean who has a moment of the month of course that's to be Paddy Cavanagh scoring uh, 
the second goal on Friday night against the Hoops. So it was great, you know, because obviously Seth Bowes on the path to winning 3 1. So that's definitely my moment of the month. And Connor, you have an on the bench moment. Right, so um, after Giroud's move to Chelsea, um, he ended up being the first player to be on the bench for two teams in the same episode of Match of the Day. He was on the bench for Arsenal and Chelsea. The and same Arsenal and Chelsea in the same episode. And the two teams actually lost. So. Well, uh, my moment of the month uh, comes from the championship. Um, uh, Fulham versus Aston Villa. Aston Villa goalkeeper, basically Sam Johnstone, uh, hit out a goal kick, but he was off his line. Uh, he wasn't even in the box, actually, so it was a free kick. And uh, Fulham striker, Floyd Oyate, uh intercepted it 50 yards from out the goal and took a shot from... Uh, on the folly, so what was that goal? It was a cracker, he's yeah. A good goal, he's yeah. actually annoyed, isn't he? Huh? He's actually annoyed, that goalkeeper. I think he might be on loan to Aston Villa. Oh, I'm not sure. That's um, right. So, the team that I'm putting on the bench this month is um, Jose Mourinho because I've been nothing but unsatisfied with him and his performance and his, his antics and his petty mind games with the media. It seems like every week there's a problem with him or there's something going wrong or like his tactics aren't working because he doesn't have any tactics. He just gets out there and deploys a squad and like doesn't really do anything. He just moans at the media then. And I feel like he's he's lost his status as a world class manager. Over it's time from to just hang up his boots. Not hang up his boots, but move on and start managing. Like become like an Alan Pardew or like <laughs> like a Sam Allardyce. Like the, I don't think he actually belongs anymore at the top divisions. Like it's really become. Mauricio Pochettino and like Pep Guardiola and them them kinds of managers. Um, it, he's not he's not all he used to be because he's losing his dressing room. He's like his players aren't performing for him. So yeah, that's who I'm, that's who I'm putting on the bench this month. So if you made it to the end, thanks for listening to Goldmouth episode three. That'll be all from us this month. Tune in. We're gonna have a Paddy's Day special on the next one, so we're gonna try focus it mainly around Ireland. But like, if we don't, we don't. Um, yeah, because we're going to be playing Turkey on the 23rd, so look forward to that on March 7th.